Luton Town delivered a masterclass in shooting ourselves in the foot on Saturday as uh, we fell to a 3-1 defeat against Sheffield United uh, to reflect on a disappointing day at the office. I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and Luton-born actor Sam Gittins alongside me. Uh, Gents, ready to reflect on that again? No. (sighs) If we must. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll do it after this intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. As I said before the intro, we're joined by a special guest for this episode. Sam, introduce yourself. How long have you been a Luton fan, mate? I've been a Luton fan since I was about nine years old when I uh, was uh, suddenly introduced to Luton by my dad. I was born in Luton but grew up in London, so I didn't always know of uh, of the team that I was born into until then. And an actor from the town as well, so that's pretty special. So uh, just tell us a few things that we can see you in or have seen you in. I'll give you the, well, you might have seen me in EastEnders a few years ago and Holby City. I've done, I've done the rounds, Call the Midwife, things like that, but... um I guess I'll introduce the free ones so that people don't have to pay for anything. If you, if you go on Amazon Prime, you can watch me in a film called Break uh, or a film called Walls of War. Um, it's free. I won't, no one will be chasing me for refunds. Um, and if you go on Netflix, you can watch me in a series called The Liberator. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you with us. Thank really you. appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Jimbo, that brought us down to earth a bit, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, can we just talk about Sam's films a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to talk about football? Oh dear. Uh, bloody hell, yeah. I've been in some as bad as that performance, trust me. <laughs> where, where'd you start? Uh, it, I mean, even if you start at the beginning, you should have been down one nil after 30 seconds. So it just got worse from there. And I just didn't see it coming at all. Didn't see any of that. And um, yeah, been dining on humble pie all weekend. I don't know about you. No, not really. Um, (laughs) Just one of those terrible days at the office and in true town style, we bring them out at the time where we most didn't need to do it. Um, Sam, we always start with the team selections. Just the one change for the Sheffield United game. Um, Bruce Burke replaced Ted and Mengi. Rob alluded in his press conference that Ted had picked up some sort of ankle injury uh, in training. At the time, you didn't really think anything of it because Reese Burke and Ted and Mengi, they play the same role. It's all good and things. Hindsight, you'd have probably liked Ted and then his aggression in yeah. the in, in the team, really. Yeah, and I think you can't fault Burke. He gets about and he gets forward, but I think he's not as defensive-minded as Mengi in a lot of ways. Um, and I think sometimes what happens is he's a little bit lost out of position and I think it showed a little bit. It was a little bit erratic, his performance. I, I do rate I do rate him. I think he's a good a good player, but he's a little bit erratic at times. Yeah, thankfully, it doesn't look like Ted's injury's too bad. He was on the bench, so and there were others that could have been on there. So yeah, that would suggest that he would have come on, you know, if we were winning the game or something. But obviously, in the situation, he was never really going to come on. James, we kind of expected an attacking performance from Sheffield United or, or, or a performance that 
went on the attack because they had to win the game. But it was pretty obvious pretty quickly that that wasn't how they were going to set up. They set up with a 5-4-1 formation, hit Luton on the counter-attack, take advantage of any mistakes. And fortunately for Sheffield United, we coughed up plenty of mistakes. And um, it was just one of those days that the longer it went on, it just fizzled out into we ended up playing their game rather than our game. Yeah, it seemed that way. Although I don't know what our game particularly was, uh, what it was supposed to be, because they they were they were better in the first half. They should have scored probably two before they even scored one. Um, it, it, you know, probably lucky to be two nil mm. at the break, which is which is an annoying thing because when you look at the team sheet and there's no Brer and Diaz and and my old nemesis Harley McBurney, and he's not on there. I was rubbing my hands together. I was, I, was, I thought this is the one. Um, and they just didn't turn up. It's it's, it's such a strange one. And it, the, the only other time that it's happened really is, um, it, well, recently is the Bolton one. And and, mm. it, and it's almost like they phoned that in because they were playing the team lower down the leagues. I mean, but this is this is a massive game. And it, it, it started off badly. It, it sort of rose a little bit once Morris got a goal. But once the third one went in for them, it, it just died a death and there was still half an hour left and the place was, it was quiet. So quiet. Do you feel like when teams sit off us, they just, we seem to struggle to break them down. That seems to be a thing. Yeah. I, I think, I think that was, that's, that's precisely what it was really. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, they had 75% possession of the ball and I absolutely, just absolutely nothing stat. happened. We I know you've got to do stuff with it, but, <laughs> absolutely dominant in the first in the second half and you're struggling to think of any decent chances that came um, at decent positions and then the crossing was woeful for you know one of the first times this season really it was and you're right James they should have been ahead after 30 seconds when McAtee brother of our McAtee uh, went through and thankfully put a shot wide of the post it was a warning sign but then the next big chance of the game, Sam, came to us from uh, an Alfie free kick just down in the corner. Lovely cross. Gabe Osho gets up, heads it, heads it wide. You think back the previous week, brilliant header uh, in at Newcastle. If that had found the net, I'm convinced it would have been a completely different ball game, but it didn't. And his performance and our performance gradually got worse and worse from there. Yeah, and I think, I know... It People, especially us football fans, all the time we say one of those days as, as a, a pretty cliche phrase, but things like that missing, like Doughty in the second half blazing that ball across when he would have just played it to Eddie Bayer before. There's so many little things that weren't quite happening for us. And let's, maybe we got a bit comfortable as fans because everything kind of was going for us. I mean, eight goals in the two previous games, you have to have a bit of luck on your side to do that. And, uh, maybe I'll like, run out a little bit. You know, it's an excuse. I'm trying to find a positive somewhere, but <laughs> I can't really. <laughs> we'll come up to, there is a one or two positives. We'll come up to those yeah. uh, shortly. Uh, James, you are, you said you didn't know what our game is. Well, our game's all about high tempo, high press, high energy. But it was pretty evident from very quickly on in the game that there was going to be no high tempo. I mean, the amount of time it took to restart play after that Reese Norrington Davies injury was ridiculous. He wasn't on the pitch. Could have started there and then, but the referee had to wait another two minutes before he let us restart. And every single time the the brief moments of tempo came along, it just got stopped and stopped and stopped. 
and that's what I mean. We ended up playing their game. Oh yeah, totally fell into their hands at every single stage, not just that one, but um, it was it was slow. The, the, the passing was slow. The movement was slow. No quick balls. I mean, their formation probably dictated that a little bit that that they were playing pretty low and and keeping it quite tight. So there was none of that. There was you were never going to get what happened at Newcastle, for instance. But um, you know they managed all of Luton's major threats really well. So down the flanks, Chio had the complete opposite game to the freedom he got at St James yeah. Park. Doughty, his crossing was way off. His set pieces were way off. I don't know how what you put that down to really because he's it has been brilliant. He's been one of the best in the Premier League. So he's got. Loads of credit in the bank, really. You can't criticise him too much. It's just like he had one of those off days where everything he hit was was nowhere near or it hit the first man. And that one you mentioned where he got to the byline, you're thinking, just pull it back. And he's yeah. absolutely lashed it over everyone's heads. Uh, it, it's just sometimes yeah. you get these inexplicable things in football, don't you? And How many corners yeah. did we have? I don't know the stat. but 13, yeah. Was it 13? There you go. It just loads. We, we usually... Would bet one of them, you know. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking would happen. <laughs> um, but I mean, by that, by the second half and the last half an hour in particular, it just seemed desperate. Really, mm -hmm. it just like, like it wasn't going to happen. Because even after the first goal, we've talked about this quite a lot of the times. That I feel confident Luton get back into it, and I think the players have felt that throughout the season. So it was, it was not, it was a bit of an, it was a bit annoying. Yeah. That happened, um, particularly after he'd missed one a sitter, for, you know, less than a minute beforehand, and they 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 cock up there and let him in. And but at that stage, it's, it still wasn't panic stations. But once you go two down, and you knew what they were going to yeah. do, which is defend as well as they did, and you have to give them some credit. Oh, show's got to deal with did. that as well. When he, absolutely the, the the ball's there for him to take away, and he tries to be cute on the turn. And I think I. If I'm recalling it right, there's a couple of times he's lost the ball this season in that in in that kind of situation, and he, we've really paid for that there. Yeah, I mean, there was, we said that. Well, we say a lot on these podcasts. The first goal is crucial in these games of football, but against a team who's just hell bent on sitting in, frustrating, and everything else, the first goal is massive because once you concede it, the time wasting starts, and everything else, the tempo gets even worse. But I think back to the Burnley game, the Burnley away game last month, and we're in exactly the same situation. Okay, they weren't as deep as Sheffield United where you wouldn't expect them to be there at home. Sheffield United were away. But we had, I think it was 63% of the possession that night. And it was so slow. We just, we side to side, square passes, backward passes. It did not move quickly. And it was exactly the same again on Saturday. No real forward passes. When Barkley got the ball, he tried to look forward saw a bank of yellow and then had to turn back, give mm. it to Osho, give it to Bell, give it to um, Burke. We need, when we come up against these teams, and let, you know, let's be fair, one of the reasons why we struggle against these teams is we don't come up against it very often. Mm. You're looking at the last five years, we've probably been favourites in, I don't know, a dozen games in yeah. the five years. So it's not something, why would you prepare for something that you're going to encounter 12 times in five years? But... If we want to go, and I think Rob says this in his post-match press conference, which we'll give you uh, some glimpses of later in the show, if we're going to be where we want to be as a football club, i.e. sustained in the Premier League, building in the Premier League, 
favourites for games in the Premier League, we're going to have to get used to having lots of the ball and moving it quickly, moving it forward and getting in between these sides and causing them difficulty. And it was almost like you could tell we were a team who we ain't used to doing it. And when we had to do it, we were like, oh shit, how do we do it? And I know they'd have prepared for it. I don't think Sheffield United would have took Rob and the boys by surprise like they took me and James by surprise. Mm. But you can train against the team on the training pitch that ain't doing it. But when you actually come up against the team who is doing it, it's a different story, isn't it? And yeah. I'm I'm hoping, I mean, there's this saying in sport and in life in general, isn't it? You either lose, sorry, you win or you learn. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we learn from this, that the next time it does happen. And I suspect you're probably looking at Palace or Forest for the next time it happens. The next time it happens that we're much more on it and much more prepared for what's to come and much better better suited to it but it we just looked like a team that tried hard but just didn't have the sort of preparation or practice of preparation to, to just to break it down and yeah. ultimately the longer it went on the easier it got for Sheffield United really it really did and I think we we said the word desperate before didn't we you know that that kind of sums up the towards the end of the game but it's you you're you're absolutely right we we can't just do really well when we're not expected to. That is what's great about this club and the fans and the town and the people is that if you if you call us an underdog, we we come barking. And um, you know that's why we've had such fantastic results this season. But if if we're not the underdogs, which we're not always going to be, we, we still need to be able to just professionally get the job done. Kill them off. That's what we need to do. Be a bit more ruthless about it. Yeah, exactly that. And whilst we're doing that. When the game's at nil-nil, you cannot make defensive mistakes. And we love Gabe to bits on this podcast. Of but this, this is now two weeks in succession and I, I'm not digging him out. I completely understand the situation and everything else. But Cameron Archer scored the exact same goal that, well, Sean Longstaff scored it last week, didn't he? But Anthony Gordon was the one who went past him. You're level with him on the halfway line. It sounds horrible, but wipe him out. Just wipe him out. There's no blue cards. There's no sim bins or any of that bullshit yet. <laughs> yeah. Just take your yellow card in exactly the same way that Holgate, 15 minutes earlier, did to, I think it was Morris down that side. He just wiped yeah. him out, got the yellow card, and then cracked on. Just take him out, Gabe. You know, you're on the halfway line. You're not getting sent off. We'll get back. We'll defend the free kick. We'll stay nil-nil and we'll crack on. Once he's passed him, we're in big trouble. Big trouble. He's missed a sitter 30 seconds earlier and how he's missed that, I've absolutely no idea, but he ain't missing twice. Mm, not that chance. He had all day long to size up where he's going to stick it. And uh, I'm not I'm not really sure what the aim of that, what he was trying to do there, because you could you could topo it back to the goalkeeper. It just seems like it was trying to be overly, the, the most complicated option is the one that he tried. Yeah, it was a real cute. Uh, you know, Cute. like you say, either wipe him out, whack him to touch, poke it back to the goalie. But yeah, you're leaving yourself exposed there, really. And it yeah. was, but but you know, as bad as that start was, like I say, I was like, okay, well, you know, this is where Kenilworth kind of Road rallies, doesn't it? And mm. the place the place gets going again. But um, uh, and it did it did sort of, I guess. But it's it's killed off essentially by by the penalty. Yeah. The penalty completely took the atmosphere, took the wind out of the ground, which is rare and it's tough to do. It's tough to take take our voice away, but it, it did. And credit to the Sheffield United fans. They were very loud, probably some of the loudest we've had there. 
Probably because I haven't had a lot to shout about. Bless him. He said that we've had, <laughs> we've had enough of uh, stick from this lot. No, no, all, all fair play to him. They were loud and, and that, that also, you know, it, it makes things harder for the home fans to get back on site, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, yeah. I mean, I've dug Gabe out for that goal, but you, anyone who wants to point out that Benny's first touch from the long ball forward to him being horrific, mm. yeah, you're absolutely right. And of course, Burke's gone on the overlap to... Chio support and that's what's left Gabe absolutely exposed one-on-one with Archer so there was so much wrong with that first goal it was untrue there was a hell of a lot wrong with the second goal I mean (laughs) we've mentioned VAR on these podcasts far too many times this season but this has to be the biggest joke of the lot right neither of them are penalties they're just not penalties neither player we'll cover them both like Rob did in his press conference we'll cover them both at the same time neither player's looking at the ball Reese Burke's in the air when someone grabs his shoulder. I couldn't work out if it was Morris or if it was Sousa, but someone's grabbed his shoulder and taken him off balance, which brings his arm up. Anyone who's lost their balance in the air, they're not just going to fall flat on their back. They're going to bring an arm up to try and get their balance back again. Ball heads, uh, ball gets headed against his arm. He's not even looking at it. Not one person on the football pitch or anywhere else appealed for this. And then 70 seconds later or something like that, whilst play's going on, we're just passing it around like we have been doing. All of a sudden, the referee blows his whistle. I'm like, "What's that? Where's the foul? I didn't see the foul. What's it? Is it offside?" And he marches Usain Bolt style down to the um, the iPad, which actually works. We've seen it for the first <laughs> time. It does work. We wish it didn't, he had but to it peel does. The plastic off he it, did. didn't he? <laughs> he, <laughs> did. he did. Yeah, <laughs> blow the cobwebs off. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Um, so it does work. Goes over to the screen. You knew full well. As soon as he goes over to the screen, he's going to give a penalty, and then you see it back, and it's even more ludicrous. Very much the same one for our one. We did appeal, but we only appealed because we'd known that he'd already given the first one. So if you appeal, you're going to get the second one. They're just not penalties, are they? I mean, penalties? Well, they're not to us football people that watch watch it. I think that's been the universal opinion. But by the letter of the law, it is. But the law's an ass then, isn't it, really? Yeah. Because I'm not even sure it is by the letter of the law, Jimbo. I mean... Well, it's this um, hand in position. But... But there's got to be a reason why it's in an unnatural position. That's got to be taken into account, isn't and, it? And I think you've also got to think, okay, if I'm sat down like this, this is an unnatural position for my arm. If I've just jumped in the air, then that's not unnatural at all. It's a balancing arm. Exactly. You know, this, I might be, maybe I'm being pedantic, but I, I just think they've got to put some common sense in there. Yeah, well, they're they're not putting any. No. That's the thing. They, they never will. They'll 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 play it to that letter of the law. And that's something that's got to be looked at because it's nonsense. Mm. People used to know what handball was. Yeah. And like Rob said, he doesn't. And, and nobody does. And particularly when nobody's, like you say, the amusement of it, because I was in line with that where I sit in the bobbers. I didn't see a hand going up there. There were no appeals, nothing. Play goes on as normal. And then suddenly, because the ball stayed in play for such a long time, you'd forgotten about what the hell had gone on. Yeah. And then suddenly there's an issue and you go back and it's, if the referee hasn't spotted it, then surely leave that alone. That, yeah. This is where it. This is where people are getting annoyed by it because you've got to let a referee referee the game, and if he gets it wrong, so be it. That's been happening for eons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can have a discussion and a little. We'd have a discussion in here about how a referee's got it wrong, but that's human error. But to go back and do that, it's it's frustrating to everyone. It's confusing in the ground yeah. as well. It's not handled in the right way. If, if you watch rugby at all, you, you get to, and I'm not advocating that's a better game than football in any way, shape or form, but 
in terms of the way they police it, it's perfect. It's better officiated. That's, oh, that's God, for sure. So it's, much better. It's, it, but they're, they're both of them are that. I, I think because he's given the first one, he has to give the other one. The other one's even less of a penny. The one that Luton gets is even less of a penny. Yeah. Um, he almost gave that because he thought, well, I've just, yeah. I've just given one really similar, so I'm going to have to give this one now. It's just... I mean, it's, <laughs> how you can say that's an unnatural position it's just, I, don't, I can't even see it properly on the replay. I've watched it so many times. Sheffield United fans, it's not a penalty. <laughs> and you didn't deserve no. to have a penalty against you. But because he's made the first one, because they've called it like that, they're going to, I guess, actually, if you want to give them some credit, if you want to look for some uh, rose-tinted joy in it, they've stayed consistent, haven't they? Yeah. Consistently bad, yeah. but consistent. Yeah, but they're, they're not penalties. And... Um, you know, it gives Luton a bit of hope in in that respect. So, you know, it, you don't mind it from that perspective. But in a general sense, these decisions need to be get got right, and they're, yeah. they're not. Yeah, I just need to clarify because obviously <clears throat> people are going to go back to the Wolves penalty that we got. The difference here, where I made a big claim about how high the bloke's hand was against Wolves, he was standing on the floor and he was perfectly balanced, and his hand was facing. Facing the plate. Reece, facing the yeah, yeah. Reesberg was in the air when he was knocked off balance when that arm comes up. That is the difference. And facing the other way. And yeah. facing the other way. They're the two big differences. Oh, they're, they're, they're night and day. Absolutely, totally different. They are. Uh, to, to me, the VAR handball that should be overturned are the James Ward-Prowse ones down here. That's an obvious handball against yes. West Ham. You overturn that, it's not a problem. These ones, just leave it. I'm surely in sport, someone has to appeal for a decision before a decision could be made. If you don't appeal in cricket, you go back, bowl the ball, and you crack on with it. Even if the umpire knows that it's out, you've got to turn to the umpire and appeal. Surely someone has to appeal to the referee for a decision. He can't just say, otherwise he's being biased, isn't he? He can't just like wait for the referee to make a decision and keep keep doing I mean, it don't make no sense to me. And the other thing that got on my goat is everyone said, oh, well, it cancelled it out. No. Other way round, no. it would have cancelled it out. But when you go 2-0 down because of one of these, you have to completely change your game plan. Well, the, the, their, their penalty absolutely changed the entire yeah. face of the game. Because like I say, I was confident that Luton might be able to find a way back in. At 2-0 at half-time, it's absolute shell shock at that point. Yeah. And there doesn't feel like a way back in because they've been utterly dominant. You know... Let's face it, Sheffield United beat Luton fair and square. They're, I've got no qualms about Took their, their chances and played well. You I, can't I, didn't, I don't like it. I didn't want to have to admit it. This is not the podcast I hoped I would be doing, but <laughs> it happened and that's a reality. They were better. But that penalty in the first half changes the entire complexion of the game. Yeah. And on, on that sort of front, it's not good enough. Yeah. No, exactly. The other way around, if our dodgy penalty had come before their dodgy penalty, then it is exactly the same game again from where it started, isn't it? But it's not when it goes 2 0 to 2 1. Uh, that's for sure. We looked like we were getting back into it, though, at 2 1. You kind of, the crowd were starting to sort of get going. Chong was making a big impact off of the bench. He, yeah. uh, Morris had that shot that the goalkeeper just about got across to and shoveled it wide. Then we had the incident that you said with Chong playing Alfie in, only for Alfie to clear the main stand and yeah. cause cars to swerve in Hatter's way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and Chong also had a shot that Fizz just passed the post. But then again, you just got into the game town and we load the gun pull the trigger at our feet and shoot ourselves in the foot again. And again, I've got, 
feels like I'm picking on Gabe and I shouldn't do and I, and I don't like to. But he's got back to Archer again. He's actually tackled him. Ping the thing down the pitch. Yeah. Ping the thing into the stands. Ping it wherever the hell you want. Don't get caught on the ball. Yeah. Because Bell's come across to cover and help out. It leaves Souza wide open. I'm not overly convinced Kaminsky's covered himself in glory, to be quite honest with the save. But mm. by the same token, it was a pretty well hit shot to be yeah, fair yeah. from the best player on the pitch, this Souza. I don't know where he's been hiding, but he looked bloody good yesterday. He, he got a hand to a Kaminsky and he's hit, he's just hit it too, he's too won sweetly. It really nicely, yes. Yeah. You've got a hand at him, it's a great strike. Both well, their finishes so were really much. nice. But, but the first one where he's opened his body up and then cut it into the near post is smart finishing, and that's what they did. They took their chances. But we have to really do annoyed. so much better once we've won the ball back. Just don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Tank. Yeah. We're back in the game. Yeah. And that that whole day was a massive shot in the foot, really. And a self-inflicted one of that. It was um it we the only positive light is that pretty much the other results all went our way. Yep. So, it, yeah, talk about cancelling it out. That does kind of cancel out our little faux pas, shall we call it. And perhaps it motivates us going into going into next week. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. That was the positive that I was going to come on to. The, um, the, oh, was the, that the one? I was, was that, thinking what that was going to be. <laughs> I had that one written down. <laughs> the iPad works. There's a, there's another, That's another one, yeah. They ain't forked out for all this stuff for no reason. We wish they didn't use it, but it works. It wasn't that cold in the Kenny either. It was, no, it wasn't. It was perfectly warm. It was, <laughs> it was a nice day. Um, yeah, we huffed and we puffed, but the stuffing had well and truly gone once that third one went in and they saw it out. Pretty easily, really, uh, as you would expect any Premier League side to do a 3-1 with 15 minutes to go or whatever it was. And just not really our day. And that was summed up none better than by Rob Edwards in his post-match press conference, which, as always, we sent Jimbo along to. And here's the thoughts of the town boss, who's pretty dejected after the game. Yeah, tough day for us. Um, we made a couple of errors that were really, really costly near Mike, didn't we? And um, yeah. Doesn't matter how much of the ball you have, it's what you do with it that counts in the end. And, and we were punished. But look, goals changed everyone's emotions in the game. We tried, we huffed and puffed. You know, it's all right having seventy odd percent of the ball. It's what you do with it. And um, at key moments today, we just we came up a little bit short. Um, and then when we did have you know loads of possession in that final third, we we didn't we weren't quick enough, slick enough, or precise enough. When we did get behind them, it was a, a wayward cross or. You know, not picking someone out, didn't work the goalkeeper enough. So there's no complaints. Well done to them. They defended very, very well when they were ruthless when they got the chances. We made a, yeah, so we made a couple of errors. I'm not going to single anyone out there today. And I don't know what a penalty is anymore with handball. I, I don't know. Neither player's looking at the ball. Both players have got to jump and have, have their hands up. I don't think either one was a pen. If we hadn't made another mistake, we might have got something from the game. But we, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot with the third goal. We could have dealt with it. We gave the ball away in the middle of the pitch. We regained it around the edge of the box and lost it again. And they were clinical when they got that chance. And at 3-1, then it's tough. And obviously, they can really hang on to it, get bodies back and, and defend that lead, which they did very, very well. It's learning for us. We've got to improve from it. We've got to dust ourselves down. It's a difficult day. Congratulations <laughs> to Sheffield United. We've got Man United next week that we've got to get ourselves up for now, which isn't too hard to do, fortunately. So, um, you know, we'll learn from it, try and improve in the next over this next week. And... Um, We'll come back better next week. We have to. Yeah, summed up pretty well from Rob there. Uh, the key thing is just park this, right? It's gone. Can't do nothing about it now. 
just park it. As we said just before we heard from Rob, nothing's changed in terms of the league position, in terms of we're still a point clear of Everton, still a point behind um, Notts Forest and, of course, Crystal Palace still to play on Monday night. So just park it, learn from it, but then just move on, really. That's all we can do. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to move on. Yeah, <laughs> about Sandwichgate, I mean... They've just absolutely had town on toast, really, haven't they? And it's not anything, you know, we didn't see it coming. You know, even we had, we had Blades complaining on the comments on YouTube, but even some of them saying they didn't see it coming before the game. They're probably gloating now. <laughs> and fair play to you. Get on there, go on, have a good old gloat. Cause, yeah. Uh, that's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, we got it wrong, so. Yeah. And I think you, yeah, I think you're right. We just tabled out now. It, nothing's changed. And the atmosphere, you know, last few games... I feel incredibly lucky to have been at have been it's sensational and let's mess up now when it's affected nothing and not mess up when we're you know four or five points from safety and we need to grind out those last 10 games of the season or something you know that's yep. the thing I don't I don't think it changes the landscape of it I, I, they're still going to have to perform a miracle to get out of it they have to win that to kick start it but I still think they're down and I still think Luton will, will, will stay up um, it's going to do it the harder way. Yeah, yeah. Of course we are. We we are going to do it on the last day, and it's going to be as stress as full. And we've got the last day, isn't it? We're going to make it as stressful as possible for us because we're looting town. And that's how we like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be the looting way to do it. Simple. Uh, that is for sure. Let's hear from a couple of people who were involved in the game. We sent James along uh, to join the press boys for. Uh, a little chat with Sambi Lakonga after the game. He also pretty much reflected on what we've just said. Park it and let's move on. Here's what the Belgian midfielder had to say. Was it more a case of um, some mistakes that cost you? Yeah, because obviously you had a lot of the ball and probably could have won Avenue the other day, but they defended quite well as well. Uh, mistakes, I don't know, but uh, Sheffield were waiting for the for the mistakes and to go and counter. Uh, so yeah, they were clever with uh, with that one because they got the results. So it's up to us to to uh, to not allow these mistakes for the next games. Is this something to learn from? I mean, particularly in the second half where they were defending so deep, but heading and kicking everything away. Is something to learn from of how to beat teams that do that? Uh, yeah, I think they they back up, you know, with numbers. So it's up to us to to find the gaps to try and attack their back, and we didn't today. So yeah. As I said, it's up to us to, to learn from this game. It's a disappointing result. Uh, it's the way it is now. We can uh, change it, so we need to focus on the next game. So I think we knew the importance of this game, but we didn't took it. So yeah, it's up to us to go and get some some result against bigger team. But they started well from the kickoff. They had a couple of chances. So yeah, we took time to to get in the game. And yeah, after it was too late to, to come back. I think when we had the 2-1, the we could, uh, we could, we believe that we could, we could do it. But when we we consider free one was more difficult. But yeah, we didn't stop believing. But yeah, after the the free one was was difficult to get back in the game. I think all of the goal we need to, to I need to recheck because yeah, was uh, was a bit. It's difficult to to speak about it now. But yeah, I need to have a, a clear one half what to on what happened, and yeah, we'll make my my opinion on it. We had a lot of uh, the ball, sorry, but yeah, we didn't create uh, chances and. And yeah, about the days, uh, we need to, to create chances. Otherwise, it doesn't matter to have the ball. I think we need to learn from, from this game yeah. and uh, to check uh, our mistakes and to not do them again. 
And once James and the, uh, the press gang had finished with Sambi Lakonga, he caught up with the speedster on the right-hand side, Chio Ogbene, who uh, gave much more detailed answers of how the confidence is still high. And uh, we'll just park this one and move on to the next one. With a result like that, um, does it feel like you, you played into their hands too much? I mean, because the second half, it was all Luton. I don't know if you know, 75% possession, but just couldn't break them down. They just defended like you probably would expect them to. Yeah, we play high intensive football. And it's, it's difficult to play that when they're in a low block. What do you, you know, naturally you want to play fast, but when they're already there, you can't really just have force and stuff going in behind when there's no space to go in behind. And uh, maybe we just, even though we were patient, maybe we were just too patient. I think sometimes we could have taken some risks into the strikers, you know, and maybe just risked a bit more. But when they're set up like that, it's difficult because if we start rushing it and, you know, forcing things, you're playing into their hands as well. We just have to be more patient, but I think we were too patient. That ultimately, if we were just too patient, we were just playing too slow. Um, we just needed to raise the tempo, and that's what we didn't do. Because yeah, not many teams will come in and do that, will they? And so you no. started off with sort of an element of the favourites tag for this game. Yeah, it's funny enough you said that. At the start of the season, you didn't be thinking that, but I think it's good for us to learn from this because if we do stay in this division, the newly promoted teams will probably do this to us, and we need to know how to break it down or... You know, we start winning games. Teams might fear us in this in at home, so they might try to you know go on a low block. So we still need to play with intensity, even though they let you have the ball. We kind of have to do something with the ball, not just keep it because there's not enough pressure. And that's, I think, this is the first time we actually you know got this kind of respect or this kind of time on the ball. Maybe we just didn't really know. We're not used to it. Maybe we just just need to pick it up again. And they probably. Won't feel like it was it, but can it be with that amount of the ball that you've had probably the most of the season? Something to to work in for. Yeah, it's good because when we look at the clips now, we now we can now start picking moments where we can be a threat because now we can watch it and say, well, if this happens again, this is what we're going to do differently. Because you know, as I believe, there will be teams come here and try to upset us. So I'm happy it happened now because later then later on in the season where you know we really need to win games and. We don't know what to do. So now we know what, what teams can do to us here. We just need to find ways to, to break them down and break them down with tempo. I think that's what we lack today, tempo. I guess it probably feels a bit flat, but I mean, you're still out of the bottom three with a game in hand on those teams above you. So that is another positive. Yeah, it is positive. I, I try not to think too much about, you know, this loss because, as I said, if we lost this, if we lost the Man City, people would just say, oh, we expect to lose against Man City. So, we lost the football match. That's how I see it. We lost the football match. Obviously, we're devastated, but you know we just have to look forward to next week. Let's park that game now. It's been and done. These boys have got so much credit in the bank. I'm not going to criticise them, kill them off for one bad performance. Yes, it was the most annoying time that it could have come. But hey, it come. We all have bad days at the office. They had theirs and let them rebound against Man United next week. Let's speak of some more positive stuff because there was positive stuff away from football this week. Sam, did you see the video that the club circulated earlier in the week about the players getting their Premier League debut balls and yeah. John Steele was in there? It was just such a lovely really sort of awesome. thing, wasn't it? And the thing that I took from it was how humble every player was going up. You know, there's none of this. We're Premier League big time Charlies now. No. You know, they all went up. And of course, they only got John Steele in to give give Pelly his ball. And that was a yeah. lovely moment as well. It just, it just reminded us of how great our club is really. And it, it reminded me of the values of our club, you know, bringing John still back, you know, the way we honored Sonny Bradley at the end of last season, things like that. Like 
we care about our players. And I saw, I, I think it was Ross Barkley said in the press, I think it was recently, he said that he's never been at a club where the boys are closer and more together. And I think that, that just, I'm more proud of that than, than anything else that you hear about our club because it just means that we look after people properly and they, they seem to reflect the values of, of our fans as well. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, that video, video. that video started with Rob um, saying about John Steele and, you know, how none of it would have been, but just the humbleness of Rob to appreciate that John Steele started it all and everything. It was just brilliant to see. And, you know, as I say, all the boys, Clicker, Amari Bell, I was referenced in the video, wasn't it, that Amari Bell scored the Kidderminster goal that won the conference title for us. Did you hear Pelly go, uh, Rob's going to cry? So <laughs> <laughs> obviously getting a bit of sticks. So he's quite an emotional fella. Good he, on him. he is, yeah. And of so course, sure. the first person to get the ball as well was Tom Lockyer. It, it was just brilliant. It was, it was a lovely watch. Yeah, the, the, that's what they're about, really. I, I know for a fact that um, the Premier League give those balls out to uh, players that have come through um, English academy ranks or English clubs at a certain age. So there were players in that squad that weren't entitled to the balls. So what the club did is just got them made anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the, the likes of, um, I think, Kaminsky and Mads Anderson, the like who weren't in the country um, Yeah, so the they time. should. Uh, weren't entitled to a ball by whatever rule the Premier League have put in for giving these prizes out. So they've just made up one for everyone that's had a Premier League debut this season, which, um, you know, speaks volumes. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Great video. Yeah, agree. And if you've got a spare cage for a ball down there, lads, we'll have it for uh, <laughs> for our one because it's our debut in the Premier League this season as well. Yeah, just on that, the reason why some of them didn't get it, they'll have got theirs when they had their debuts at other clubs. So Tahith Chong would have had his at Man United. Barkley would have had his at Everton. Townsend, uh, Tottenham, I think it was, was where Barclay he made his debut. Before, he might have been once or twice. <laughs> yeah, nowhere near as good as this, but he uh, he has been in there uh, before. That's I thought sure. I was going to come on and we weren't going to talk about Barkley for once. I've, we've squeezed him in <laughs> it's it's a good point and you're actually with us for the Man United preview podcast later yes. in the week as well and I'm absolutely certain we're going to talk about him good. in that podcast don't worry we'll <laughs> definitely talk about Ross Barkley lots and lots and lots um, that's for sure the other thing that I want to focus on just before we finish this podcast is some new designs have come out for Power Court first of all Sam how excited are you for Power Court and the move to Power Court the new stadium and everything else ah <sighs> I am and I'm not. And I think I just, I've been walking into that Kenilworth Road since I was you know, nine, 10 years old. And I, it's just got more and more special year after year. And I, I, I'm more in the camp of, I wish we could stay. We can't stay. We can't stay in the club. So I'm excited for the progression of the club. I'd love us to be in top flight football in, you know, 2047 when it's finished. <laughs> and um, I'd really, you know, I'd really, I'm, I'm sure I'll be excited on the first day, um, but every time someone brings up power court, I, ju I just am picturing myself sobbing in on the last day at Kenilworth Road, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all going to be sorry so to put a downer on it. <laughs> no, no, no. We're all going to be sorry to leave Kenilworth Road. I mean, you only have to look at nights like Brighton recently. Oh, amazing night. You know, and all the great nights that we've had in this league this season to know what we're leaving behind. But that was my, my auntie hadn't been to Kenilworth Road in 40 years and she texted me at the start of the season. She's obviously heard how well we're doing now. And she said, I'd love to go back to Kenilworth Road one day. Um, and a ticket came up, a spare ticket to come with me to the Brighton game. 
And when it was 3-0 at half time, she was like, oh, they're very good, aren't they? I was like, <laughs> this isn't every week. <laughs> Don't get used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, finally, Hashioka's worked out that, you know, we're not as quite as good as those first two games that he saw. Uh, if there's any more spare tickets going for Sam's auntie, if they, if we're going to win 4-0 every yeah. time she comes... Uh, send... Auntie Linda, get her, get her in. <laughs> yeah, send, her in <laughs> send her in his direction. Um, those designs are James. Uh, they're slightly different. All the sides look like they're the same now, as opposed to the past where we would, one side was significantly bigger than the other and it's rotated so that it's facing the church now. So we're getting closer now, aren't we? It's 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 there. If you've gone past Power Court recently, as we said when we had Wilco on, lots of earth is being shifted. The power station, as was confirmed in the program notes yesterday, has now been agreed. It's in the process of getting shifted along. So things are happening now. And at some point, we're going to see this thing built but we've now got to the stage where the plans are ready to go forward and they look good. They look decent, but they're not quite as like fully realised as the ones we've seen in the past. Mm. So I kind of think they've got something extra up their sleeve that they're quite not quite revealing at the moment. That, that seems to be what I'm hoping anyway, because, um, yeah, they, they look decent, but when they first came out, the, the drawings were these really detailed things, and I think that sort of keeps it alive a bit in people's minds. And you had the, the sort of the videos. Were they official concept videos? You know, the sort of like the slow, it was almost like an estate agency tour of a virtual imaginary <laughs> stadium. I don't know if they were official or not, but they must have been. Yeah, I was banking on those. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, they've still got the halo and stuff there. Um, I like the look of it before. I'm looking forward to what it's going to look like when they've redesigned it and when the detailed plans come in, as well as all the other things that are going to be around the stadium because there were lots of things in there that interested me and we've not heard much about them yet. Ultimately, I know the world's changed, so if bits of that have changed as well, then you just have to go along with the times, really. What we need is for Luton to be in that stadium, not because I want to leave Kenneth Road for the same reasons as Sam was saying, but... Um, you need to expand and grow, and and um, and, and that place will do it. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a long time. I think um, it was coming up to five, five years. I think anniversary. I see it on Twitter every year about when it got approved, and mm. I'm always surprised how quickly it comes around. But um, yeah, that that was a great day when it when it happened, and. I think we've always been quite positive on here about it. I know there's a lot of people that always say, well, it will never be built in my lifetime. And it, I promise you it will. It's 27 is the date, isn't it? I don't no. think, I don't, I just don't think people understand how difficult it is to move something like a substation because it's not all in Luton's gift. They've got a um, planet with the electricity, electricity companies. The national grid are involved, yeah. I think. There's a railway, the railway nearby yeah. and, and they have a say in it. And believe me, they can slow things up because they are not quick at doing anything. And and that's not Luton's fault. Um, so it will happen. Um, and, you know, it's just got to have faith about it, really. Yeah. yeah, the other thing is when that planning permission was given five years ago, I think it was five years ago last month, wasn't it? Five years ago, we were in League One. So we were building a stadium for a championship side at best. Well, we've cleared that. So we're now building a stadium that's going to host Premier League football, or we hope will host Premier League football. And of course, an 18,000-seat stadium for the Premier League, you may as well just pretty much stay where you are. So we've had to add to that capacity. That's why the stands are all going to be the same size now. And it, it's just changed 
it's changed with our improvement on the pitch. It's changed, as James alluded to, with lots of impacts off the pitch. But the main thing is there is work going on down there. Uh, as Sam said, the latest date that we're going to be in is 2027. I think, uh, who, was it Gary who did the boardroom notes yesterday? I think it was. He alluded to the fact that building's going to start next year once all of this power station and everything else and planning is done this year. And as we saw with the Bobbers stand, once it starts getting built, it'll shoot up pretty I mean, quickly. That, that was rapid, wasn't it? Absolutely rapid. So, so you know, once we once we get going, then um, well, we, we'll be in a good position, and uh, it'll go up pretty quickly, and we'll all sort of see it with our own eyes, and I say can't wait to get in there because obviously we don't want to leave Kenilworth Road, but can't wait for like Sam said for the progression of our club to happen so that's all very much positive if you haven't seen those images do check out all of the social media accounts it's the it's all on there and uh or the Luton 2040 hashtag because that's what the um project was all about that's why they um they showed the pictures and everything here and if you haven't seen the video that we referenced earlier that's on the Luton Town um Twitter page so you'll catch that on there as well Right, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank God, because I don't really want to go through any more football matches like that in a hurry. My thanks to James and to Sam for joining us, especially yeah. Sam. Really, uh, really liked having you on, mate. Thank you for, thanks for joining us. Um, thank you for watching or listening. Uh, just one piece of housekeeping as far as the trust is concerned. We have been able to rearrange the annual quiz. That will be at the Eric Morecambe Suite on Tuesday, the 5th of March. There's no football match that week. So that's a completely free week. So that will definitely take place. Uh, on that night 7pm start tickets are on sale now check our socials and our website if you want to get involved we do believe that there'll be club officials there uh, Wilco confirmed that he will um, be there when he was on the podcast last time so if you want to test your general knowledge against the main man at the top of the football club then get your ticket and come along £10 for non-members £5 for trust members and it's always a great night Thank you for watching, listening, for subscribing. Keep all of your comments coming in. If you're a Sheffield United fan, we're not going to read them, but keep them coming in <laughs> anyway. No, I jest. <laughs> keep all of your comments coming in. We do appreciate all of them. No correct scores from the last game, not surprisingly. Certainly not from me. I got that completely and utterly wrong, and I'll try not to do that again. Thanks to the Hightown Club for hosting the podcast as always, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music, and to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on set. Ed has actually released his latest Luton calendar, uh, mm. which I believe you can see on his website, edsmithcreative.co.uk. Well worth um, purchase, particularly if you're a Lutonian and you love the great landmarks of our town, and obviously... Uh, a really good thing it goes from february to january this year because he had a few issues last month so uh, you've got all month to get it and it'll still be uh, worthwhile so do keep a lookout on that uh, so we thank ed for all of the designs and most importantly until next time which will be the manchester united preview and a much happier episode i hope <laughs> come on your hatters Actually, you, everyone in it has got these massive souls.